3: He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo
1: Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santaroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over this past weekend in racing and preview next weekend. Uh, joining me today is Mr. Gray Warren from Richard Childress Racing, Mr. Christopher DeHardy from Motorsports Tribune. Mr. Richard Uden, race engineer, and last but not least, Mr. Seth Eggert from Motorsports Tribune. How is everybody tonight?
3: Doing great. Very good, thank you.
1: All right, so we had uh, our Major American Series. We all had the weekend off for Father's Day, and I certainly hope all of us, uh, all, of, all of you folks that listen in had uh, either some time to, you uh, racing dads, a time to spend with your kids, or you had time to spend with your dads, or, or you had time to remember your dad. Um, so, uh, but... You know, I hope everyone had a happy happy Father's Day. Um, Le Mans was this past weekend. Um, Kaz Nakajima and Sebastian Buemi won Le Mans for Toyota. Toyota's been snake bit, but that other guy, the fill-in guy, Fred something, got all the headlines. So, what was his name, Richard?
3: Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Alonso, Fernando <laughs> that Alonso. That's the guy. Yeah. He, he's fourth driver next year, isn't
1: he? Fifth, fifth, I believe. Yes, fifth that's driver. that's the hot rumor. So yeah, I thought
3: he was going to take Marco's State.
1: Yeah. So anyway, anyways, but uh, you know, <laughs> all, all three drivers drove brilliantly, but but again, I just a little a little sad for Kaz and for Sebastian that Alonzo has stolen all their thunder because of this triple crown uh, that he wants to win. And I, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm a little tired about hearing about this triple crown because number one. It doesn't exist. It's it's a fictional, made-up kind of thing. And on top of that, you can actually change it up however you'd like it to be. You could say, oh, well, it doesn't have to be the Monaco Grand Prix. It could be the Formula One World Championship. You know, or you don't say it doesn't have to be Monaco. It could be the Daytona 500, and A.J. Floyd has won it. Um, you know, it's just it, it's unofficial. It's unsanctioned. Um, and Juan Montoya has as good a shot as Alonso again it. As uh, a matter of fact, he was one step closer than Alonso, And Montoya was actually entered in Lamas this past weekend. He didn't result was not as good as Alonso, but uh, I mean the funny thing about this triple crown, it's invented. And I swear Graham Hill probably invented it. It was probably like a 1971 interview with Graham Hill where he was sitting and they were talking about his racing accomplishments, and he says, well, then, I seem to have won all of the most famous motoring contests there are. I guess that makes me the best sportsman there ever was. Um, I guess you could call that a triple crown. Oh, I like that. Quite smashing, actually. So... (laughs) And I apologize to you Richard for the for the for the lousy British accent. But again hey, it's, it's
3: another sixty five million other, others of us that you have to apologize to as well. Thankfully most of them won't hear it.
1: Yeah, but but again, like I say, I'm you know, it's uh uh, good job to Toyota. Toyota has been snake-bit the last couple of years, but they, they really they pulled this one off to perfection with uh, you know Kaz doing the flyer lap at the very end of qualifying to put that thing on the pole and just uh, barely turning the wheel wrong all day, all night, and then the next day. So uh, good job, Toyota. Now, Chris, you had a chance to watch Le Mans and uh, see Kaz, Sebastian, and, uh, and uh, Alonzo win the thing. What are some of your thoughts about Le Mans? Uh,
2: well... It was interesting. A lot of people said, "Oh, Toyota had no real competition when they won this race," but yet a lot of people seem to forget that during the early 2000s, Audi was racking up win after win after win after win. They had no factory competition um, that they were going up, and they were really going up against privateers uh, trying their best. Um,
3: yeah, but and, they were a lot of those privateers were already privateers, weren't they?
2: Um, Pescarolo was not.
3: No, there was, I mean I remember working with one of them, so there were a few, you know, there were a yeah. few more private. But hey, I get your point. Sorry. Sorry.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. No worries. No worries. Um, yeah, the GT field, it was uh, interesting to see Porsche do so well. I was hoping for the '91 to do to, to win because I like, I love that Rothmans livery. Um, however, one thing I think we should uh, bring to our attention is the fact that we had a winning car excluded from the results. The uh, LMP2 winning car from G-Drive was excluded from the race when it was found that the refueling times were um, like eight seconds faster because of a modification that the team made to the fuel rig. And, you know, this really got me thinking because a lot of things were in this race that really, really spoiled it for me. And what I mean is, like, it really left a bad taste in my mouth just watching the race because... For the GT field, you had maximum fuel uh, stint lengths. You had um, minimum refueling times and like, I think three of the four classes. Um, talk about drivers in LMP1 possibly getting drive-throughs as they went quicker than the Toyotas. Yeah. And not just in sports car racing, but I think overall in motorsport, I think we've gotten to the point where motorsports as a whole has got two. Regulated and has gotten so over-regulated that it's impossible for normal, average, average everyday people to follow. A uh, housemate and I had a uh, tape on last night of like the six hours of mid-Ohio from like the early 1980s. And you had some guy driving with Bobby Hall and Jim Truman. And so we were just joking back and forth. Oh, wasn't Jim Truman the silver-rated driver at that point? I wonder um, – and they said they went by like what twenty something miles. There was no BOP back then. No, there wasn't. There wasn't any BOP or equivalence of technology or adjustment of technology or whatever. Nowadays, it's gotten so tied down by rules and restrictions and regulations and things like that that it's it's almost gotten comical. And the ACO yeah, and- has just gotten to the point where you know they're forgetting that bop doesn't work everywhere like one car is going to be good at one track but may not be so good at another track and trying to adjust them from track to track to track and in fact from day to day to day at le mans it's almost a comical uh greek it's almost a comedy because you can't make things perfect and it's stupid in my opinion
1: yeah there's this there's this have been this movement for parity in race cars for a number of years. And because I guess folks like close finishes, you know, but uh, it used to be if you brought a superior car there, you would just stomp the field in an endurance race. I mean, I remember, oh, sometime back in the 80s, uh, the 24 hours of Daytona, uh, Ted Field and Danny Nguyen Gaius had had several laps on the field um, late in the going. And they decided to go ahead and they – Pulled the car in, washed, waxed the car, changed the fenders, made it look pretty for the pictures in Victory Lane because they had that kind of lead on the field. You know, you wouldn't see that this this day and age. But, Chris, I want to ask you back to that refueling penalty uh, and for the car that was excluded. Did we not see that same kind of thing back at the Rolex in January? We had a car that they, they made them sit in the pits for, like, several minutes.
2: Because I think they'd... the issue was... Um... At the Daytona, at the for Le Mans, they actually modified the fuel itself. Uh, for so, they modified the fuel tank where the fuel would actually flow faster into the tank, and that's how they got uh, got the stops to be shorter. The the Land Audi, and in my opinion, what the Land Audi team did was clever and actually was really cool. Um, I think that I, I mentioned about overregulation. Minimum refueling times, driver ratings, you didn't see all this stuff twenty thirty forty years ago, you know, and quote unquote was the golden days of Lamar. You didn't even see minimum refueling times like ten years ago, even right so it's 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 just been more of an opportunity for people to take it to take it into stupid um nitty things here and there, and really it's taken a lot of the fun out of racing. You know, the days of building the better mousetrap, in my opinion, are almost, you know, done because it's just going to be bop to death.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, once, once you get an advantage, they'll find a way to take it from you or to give it to your competitors. So, um, now, Gray, Richard, you guys have any comments on Le Mans at all that you'd like to jump in with? Or yeah, I
3: did, uh, I did spend quite a bit of time watching the race this year. And, you know, it was – I think it's a fantastic series. I mean, I think it – you know, they've got a great product there. Um, they just need to sell it a little bit better. I mean, it's a 24-hour race, and, you know, you, you're not going to get people set there watching it for 24 hours, admittedly. And I think, you know, the Alonzo factor obviously certainly boosted the, the spectator numbers and the TV audiences, I'm sure. But, um, you know, a lot of the rules things were a little bit sort of unnecessary and a little bit messy in a way there, as you say. And it was a shame... There wasn't somebody who could really go up against Toyota and really push them because uh, you know they were in sort of you know cruise mode pretty much the whole race. I mean, you know they got a fly on the windshield and they'd pull it into the garage to clean it because they knew, knew they could. Um, it, it was just a little bit you know more of a procession and you were more w- waiting to you know to, to make sure nothing happened to the Toyota's than to to see a race there, which was. Which is a real shame because, uh, you know, there's some fantastic drivers in that series. And uh, to see them not racing is, is, you know, it's a real, real disappointment.
1: Yeah, and on top of that, you know, I, I'm surprised that they didn't have a better television deal uh, for the States. Now, mind you, they broadcast all 24 hours on the Velocity Network. Um, yeah. Now, a lot of folks don't have the Velocity Network, and folks that do have the Velocity Network—if you ever watch the channel—it's more of a car culture type of channel. They—they have—you'll see a lot of like, um, you know, car auctions on there, and like this chop cut rebuild sort of thing, or the what's in the garage type programs. And it's a lot of kind of like, uh, you know, how how to and uh, this and working on working on your car and and customizing cars, and generally they don't cover a lot of racing. Um, so, you know, for folks that, uh, that like to watch Velocity Channel, they might have tuned in and said, gosh, what's this? And folks who were looking for LeMond on, you know, Fox 1 or, or maybe on one of the ESPNs um, just, just couldn't find it. So it's, um,
3: yeah, it, it, it's kind of
1: mind-boggling one of the biggest races in the world is on, you know, third-tier cable TV.
4: And they didn't do a good job of getting the word out either because, you know, you just kind of have most people just stumbled upon it. And, and one of the things that I that I stumbled upon was uh was uh, Ford performance they did a facebook live and they had in-car cameras on the 66 67 68 and 69 uh, cars and uh, you could watch it pretty much uh, throughout the throughout the entire race
1: and that's pretty neat I mean yeah more and more Racers need to do that with the, the Facebook Live and the social media. Know Indy, IndyCar has been really good with that, putting their putting their practice and qualifyings on uh, uh, on the Facebook Live, the ones that aren't on TV. So, um, so well, I uh, thought that was
4: very very neat because it was all in car cameras that they, that you saw, and then they, of course, they had the uh, I guess the uh, track radio or the track broadcast. Uh, you know, as the audio portion of that feed and it was uh i watched that on and off you know i watched the on and off but i really didn't sit down and get a chance to watch i watched the finish which was probably about the last 10 or 15 minutes of the race not not too much but um i thought that was that was pretty good but yeah it's a shame that uh of course fox 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 was tied up with the world cup so i mean you you, that wasn't gonna fly this year oh absolutely yeah i think they'll probably return next year and with coverage again next year, but uh, yeah, uh, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if Fox probably uh, probably has some interest in, in that Velocity Channel and probably kind of just uh, uh, pushed it off on on that to uh, just to get it out there.
1: Well, that's entirely likely. Most of the most of these uh, media corporations own own a lot of the other smaller channels, and you just, it's hard to tell who owns what, other than the fact that Disney owns almost everything. So. But um, Seth, did you get a chance to watch any of LeMond at all? Or, uh, or, were you, or are you watch, busy busy watching the uh, the trucks at Iowa?
5: I did watch a little bit of Uh Now, just one note, uh, Velocity is owned by the Discovery Channel. And yes. I watched uh, Velocity off and on, mainly when uh, a little bit of a NASCAR ne- connection. Uh, Ray Evernham used to have a show on there, Americana, and... Uh, I think it's been off the air for about two years now but anyway i watched a little bit at the beginning i was able to watch the end of it uh and just to see the joy and the satisfaction of with the lucky
4: land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
5: On uh, their faces at the very end That I was going to say for some people I know at least one uh, Person uh, Who usually does not watch Sports car racing Who honestly uh, Was interested In the race Uh, So Maybe we got a few new Sports car racing fans out of that race uh, people who usually don't watch it try to watch maybe some of those other car shows that are on Velocity. Maybe we didn't. And just one other note uh, from what I had heard, and granted, I heard this back in like December, so I don't know how accurate it still is or not. I'd heard that NBC was interested in trying to get uh, IMSA and uh, LeMond.
1: That'd be interesting. Yeah, IMSA's uh, carried by CBS right now, um, and actually th- they do a pretty good job on the CBS Sportsnet. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, it'd be neat to see if, if NBC wants to step up its uh, involvement with racing because they've they've picked up the IndyCar series in its entirety again, the Indy 500 for next year. So, speaking of which, let's go back to talking about Alonzo, who was sitting biting his fingernails off in the pits, worried that somehow Kaz Nakajima was going to blow. Uh, his chance at winning Le Mans by having the last stint, of course. Kaz brought it home. Kaz being a guy who races sports cars all year long professionally, um, and I like I like Kaz. I just you know I I I I used to like his dad, Satoru Nakajima. I thought Satoru was a little bit un- <coughs> underrated in his day when he used to uh, drive for Lotus in Formula One because he had a teammate named Ayrton Senna who kind of uh, overshadowed him, but. Uh, <laughs> but uh yeah it's a funny story i, I had a, a model kit of a uh, the camel lotus and um, i'm probably the only person that built that model kit and used the the optional uh, decals to make it uh, nakajima's car instead of senna's but but that's another story for a different day but let's talk about alonzo so now that he's won le mans the the talk is is all about him returning to Indy. Uh, the talk about him returning to Indy has been strong all year. The talk about McLaren coming to Indy has been strong all year long. McLaren has said they whether or not they come to Indy is actually not even dependent on Alonso. I mean they they're prepared to s- still come to Indy with or without Alonso, which I guess leaves Alonzo, you know, to go to a Penske car or whatnot, but uh, obviously they'd like to do it with Alonzo and then, of course, and then the other weird story is we saw we all saw Michael Andretti at the Canadian Grand Prix hanging out with Alonzo and hanging out with some people from Sprint so the, the thought there is that uh, McLaren's going to have Sprint sponsorship next year in IndyCar uh, because Verizon will be leaving as title sponsor, which makes it... Uh, Sprint's uh, got an in right there, and Sprint's uh, ended their association with NASCAR, so they really don't have an involvement in motorsports. So that can be a pretty good deal there. But then the weird story that comes out of it, reported by the British press, is that Michael Andretti may be interested in buying the Force India team and starting his own Formula One team, which was about the last thing I would have thought would have come out of Michael and Sprint and hanging out with McLaren in Canada, so uh, Richard, what are you hearing about this? Because I think it's would be pretty foolish of Michael to uh, take that step. I think he'd be better off buying him a NASCAR team if he wants to expand his empire, rather than uh, try to jump foot first in a Formula One where it's such a such a shark pond.
3: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if you take all of the racing series that he's involved in at the moment, combine all of those budgets. Uh... To buy like about ten, you're probably going to get somewhere close to what he would be needing to spend in Formula One. Um, Sprint just doesn't add up to a greater extent. Um, you know, Formula One's a global business, and you want uh, you know global brands involved. So, uh, excuse me. How, uh, no, I was going to sneeze. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So it's it's a global brand. Uh, it's a global sport, and Sprint aren't a global, brand they're pretty much North America only. So. I, I don't know if they've got any ties to any other European uh, branding. I know when Vodafone sponsored McLaren, they ran Verizon liveries uh, in Canada, I believe. But I, I can't see it. I think if Verizon are pulling out of NASCAR, sorry, Sprint pulling out of NASCAR because it's not value for money, then I can't see how Formula One would be. Um, right, it, but,
1: but Sprint on a McLaren car with a lot oh, sure. makes a lot more sense than.
3: Oh, 100%. 100 percent uh yeah I, I do totally agree with that um yeah i i i, I, I still don't know about the alonzo Twindy car thing I, I i don't know I, I i wouldn't yeah i really do struggle to see it for some reason it just doesn't sit with me uh i don't know why i don't know i it'd, it'd be great to see if it did happen And, you know, the reaction that it would get and his performance, I think, would be fascinating to watch. But there's something, I don't know, just doesn't add up. Maybe I'm uh, overanalyzing it, but yeah, something just doesn't add up. Well,
1: I mean, I could certainly see him at least doing the 500 again. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because he's he's got this made up triple crown. He wants to be the next, he wants to be the Spanish Graham Hill. (laughs) But, um,. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of folks would, would are really thinking fifth Andretti car partnered with McLaren, uh, and then in a, in a few years time, McLaren is is in, independent of Andretti. Brings in another, um, brings in another okay. another manufacturer uh, when the new uh, engine rules take place in 2020, and whether or not Alonso was part of that, McLaren is like ready to
3: move forward. Whether or not he is. So here's another argument. If you're Andretti, you know, obviously there'd be a financial benefit to you. But I mean, really, do you want to spend two years building a McLaren IndyCar team for them to go off with another manufacturer and win everything? Where's the incentive to them to to sort of be part of the deal?
1: Well, I mean, who's to say Andretti doesn't benefit from whatever manufacturer they bring in? You know, it, it's oh, it, sure. it, it, it's hard to tell, yeah, because uh, it, obviously you may not want to come in with, just with one team. You may you may want another team there. It may be beneficial to Andretti. Um, it'll be un- beneficial to Andretti for for sure in the short term just for, you know, um, eyeballs on the team if they have Alonzo there full time. So but we'll have to see how it all plays out, and there's a lot of, Folks that speculate that, yes, this is a done deal. Alonzo will be in a fifth Andretti car next year. Other folks like you, not so sure. And Chris, yeah. you're you're you've got your your ear to the pavement in IndyCar. Um, what what are you hearing as far as the 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 strength or weakness of these rumors and stories?
2: I think the issue is on a when he came over to the five hundred, but I don't know if. I- what his contract situation is in McLaren right now to allow to allow him to do IndyCar next year or contracts up after this year or what the situation is. Uh that being said, the tweet the tweets that went back and forth between the Speedway and him and different IndyCar drivers really, really made me think that you might see him in an IndyCar next year. Um I think he would have a lot of fun doing it. But that's just me.
1: All right then. So, Gray or Seth, you care to chime in at all? Or
4: yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. I don't think he's going to go. I think he's got unfinished business in Formula One right now to take care of. But I think it, it you know, he, his 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 uh, ship life in Formula One is, is is fast going away. I think he would be he would be probably finish his career possibly in a uh, uh, in in a competitive indie car ride. I mean, what do you think, Richard? You think, I mean, what do you Yeah, I, I still, I mean,
3: you've got to be a little bit careful with Alonso because he, he's one of these guys that, you know, for want of a better word, likes the sound of his own voice. You know, if you listen to Alonso, he's the world's greatest driver still, and he's better than Hamilton, better than Vettel, better than, you know, all these guys together. Well, oh, he is.
0: Well, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's pretty
3: good, uh, I'll give him that. Oh, yeah, I don't know, for sure, for sure. But there's the fact that, you know, also part of what makes these guys good is getting to a team at the right time and growing that team around you. And that is the one thing where he has struggled. Um, you know, hypothetically, hypothetically, Ricciardo goes off to uh, Ferrari and they don't take Leclerc for this year. You know, does Alonso go to Red Bull for a shot? you know would would, would he you know, I, i'm sure if he does want if he does go to IndyCar, it'll be only until all of the big you know I, i'm sure there'll be a little caveat in that contract somewhere that means he ha- can basically wait until everybody else is sorted out in Formula 1 before there's you know in case top drive comes becomes available
4: yeah but i mean is he, is 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 he going to go to is he going to go to ferrari is he going go to he won't go to go mercedes? to mercedes no I think no. a Red Bull one could work. Um, yeah, but still, I mean, you know, if uh, he's still, when, even, even Red Bull's probably, you
3: know, uh, third on the list, you know. Oh, which for means, sure. But and with thing, that Honda engine next year, who knows. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I really don't know. There's something that I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of
4: putting him in the same realm as, like, Mansell. You know, you know Mansell... Finished his Formula One career, and he came over here and and, and did the Indy Car thing. Wow! And, I think uh, the uh,
3: I think that would be the only comparison between Alonso and Mansell. <laughs> yeah, but, but what I'm saying no, know, just yeah, just, just the, saying. The,
4: the career path, exactly. Yeah, no,
3: for
4: yeah. sure, for sure. Right. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, and, and he could you know basically he could come back over and get a top top Indy Car ride and, and and finish his career on top.
3: Yeah, right. and, oh. and
1: for the record, Mansell went back to Formula 1 after his two years in Indy and embarrassed himself.
3: he, yeah, was, he couldn't he was, fit in the cup. Yeah,
1: yeah, he was, uh, I think he had a season with McLaren um, after... Uh, he R- did R- have R- a season,
3: R- did he? He had about two races, I think. It, uh, did he even race, I can't remember now, for McLaren? Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he did. did, he did, yeah. He, he missed he, the first he, few races because he wouldn't fit in the tub, and then I think he did two or three races, and I think he gave up.
1: Yeah, yeah, so it was... So, so anyway, so... Let's uh, turn our attention to the um, races in Iowa. Where we actually had some other races now. Seth, you uh, you watch those uh, with great um, great interest. We'll, we'll talk yes. about Iowa a little bit. And then, we, then I want to turn our attention back to Formula One and talk about this Honda and Red Bull deal. But uh, first, let's let's talk about Iowa because uh, Seth's been quiet a little bit. So let's uh, let's talk about the truck races in Iowa.
5: Well, you had the truck and the Xfinity Series in Iowa. Uh, The truck series, the race was won by Brett Moffitt, and uh, it was such a fitting story. A, they're struggling with sponsorship, his team. That's his second win of the season. He's locked into the playoffs. They don't have sponsorship as of right now for Chicagoland. It was his home track, and his sponsor was his father's realty company. So it was just a very fitting story for the truck race. Uh, uh, In the Xfinity Series, uh, Justin Allgaier absolutely dominated the race, and uh, it's actually his second win of the season, but his first win was essentially encumbered earlier in the year at Dover. So he's now locked to the Xfinity playoffs. Real quick to uh, the truck series. On the last lap, Noah Gregson did a Hail Mary video game move uh, coming off of turn four, uh, drove in to the corner probably 15 to 20 car lengths deeper than anybody else, had it all night, whipped around Brett Moffat, slid all the way up the track and into the outside wall. Uh, you have to give him credit for at least trying. He ended up finishing second. Uh, but it was an entertaining finish nonetheless. Harrison Burton got his best career finish at third place. David Gillen finished fourth, and John Sauter, who's dominated most of the season so far, uh, finished in fifth. Uh, the race for the truck series, it was one big incident. It wiped out several uh, good trucks. Matt Crafton, John Hunter Nemechek took out, Stuart Friesen, uh, Grant Enfinger, and Dalton Sargent. Friesen ended up recovering to finish ninth. Otherwise, it was a relatively tame race. The spinning series, it blew by. It was very quick. The, there were only two cautions other than the stages. One was for a late absent. The other one was for an early cut tire. Elliot uh, Sadler had a horrific day Uh, He cut a tire just before the end of stage one, ended up having to pit, got penalized for pitting while Pit Road was closed, ended up uh, finishing in 28, his worst finish of the season.
1: All right, great report there, yeah. So, now, Greg, you get a chance to watch any of the short track action from Iowa. Iowa's one of those tracks I really like. Well, Greg, what were your thoughts on the, the I mean, what kind of aero package did they did they use on the Xfinity at uh, Iowa? Any, they try out anything different or they're just doing the, the standard?
4: No, I, I didn't get a chance to watch much of the uh, truck race or the Xfinity race this weekend, but uh, they ran a pretty much a standard, uh, ran their standard package. That, That arrow package that they've been trying to it at at uh, Pocono in Michigan, and I think it will return at uh, for sure at Indianapolis uh, when they go there in September. And I'm not sure if they're if they're slated to run it uh, anywhere else right now. Seth can probably answer that.
5: Uh, Just Indianapolis as of now. uh, NASCAR hasn't made any decision or announcement if they're going to run it. uh, anywhere else
4: and it's still, the scuttlebutt still move going around the the cup garage that nascar may uh may try the uh the aero package at uh at uh, another race possibly the second michigan but like i said and, right now, it's just it's just rumor
5: and uh i don't know what track i didn't catch what track it was but i know truck teams have been told that they're going to have their own version of the package at a race later on this year. I think Pocono, but I'm not entirely sure which track uh, it was.
4: Yeah, you know, and I wasn't impressed with that package at Pocono. Pocono is, is its is its own animal. It's uh, it's not like uh, – it, it has similarities to Indianapolis, but, but basically I just don't think that that uh, – that package works as well. It, it, it there it processes it, uh, it it somewhere like a Michigan or a, well, I thought I thought the the, the uh, race at Michigan was pretty uh, pretty entertaining for the for the Xfinity cars, and as well as as it, what it was in Indianapolis last year. I just don't think Pocono probably is. It, it, you're going to see it. I I, did, I wasn't really impressed with it at, at Pocono, but I think that that's pretty much just how the race track is up there. It's just so uh, it's just so different, you know, on, on, on the three corners. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm really interested to see if they institute it in Cup at, at a race. I'd like to see it on possibly Michigan, second Michigan race. That would uh, really give us uh, an idea of, of how this thing's going to work.
5: And I agree with that. Uh, also, just in the experience here is going back to Iowa. We had a uh, Raleigh Herbs make his debut. He ended up finishing sixth. Uh, Justin Haley made his debut, started 13th, finished 12th. So they both had relatively like, quiet days. Uh, Kaz Grala, who was in his last race with Fury race cars. As of now, they're still dependent on sponsorship, uh, for Chicagoland, just like Brett Moffitt, uh, they finished 10th. They had another stellar showing for a team that was only four weeks old.
4: Yeah. I'm concerned about some of these sponsorship problems that some of these uh, Xfinity and truck teams are having. And basically, you got to look no further than uh, than attendance and, and, and ratings. And, of course, a lot of these, tr- all of the truck races and virtually all, the, and when the, most of the, uh, of the Xfinity races are on on cable and not on on network, and uh, I'm th- I'm thinking sponsors are really, you know, looking looking at that and deciding whether they want to spend any money. So I, I don't know what uh, what's going to come become of that. That's uh, a little bit concerning right now.
5: On the bright side, though, the Xfinity series actually had an uptick in ratings for Iowa compared to uh, the same race last year. It was run about four hours earlier, and they didn't have a rain delay this year unlike last year, so so that kind of helped the ratings this year. Attendance, it wasn't very good. At the same time, I think it was about 100, 110 degrees out in Iowa. There was a heat advisory both days, mm-hmm. so can you really blame fans? It's no, one you, of those catch
4: 22s Yeah, I know, it, it, but it just seems like when it when it rains, it pours. You know, and it, it seems to be a a part of the trend that we're seeing. You know, and that's that's some something that uh, that is a little bit concerning. That um, um we need we need uh, you know, and, that, and that's a that's that's across the board in motorsports right now. So yeah, it's uh, it's kind of something that needs to be addressed some way or another.
1: Yeah. Speaking of speaking of which, the trucks and Arca have a standalone weekend coming up at it, gate, Gateway. In
5: Gateway, yeah.
1: Right now, the Xfinity cars are they're, off
5: they're, this the, weekend. They're off
1: this weekend. Cups in Sonoma, and Cup will be racing along with K and k and N West. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, the the truck event at Gateway had a pretty good gate last year, as I recall. Um, so, uh, what what are we looking forward to at, at Gateway, uh, Seth? Uh,
5: we have the drivers making their truck series debut. Uh, you have Riley Herbst in one of the KBM trucks. You have Zane Smith in the David Olin truck. You have uh, Tate Vogelman for a late model standout, uh, in the one of the young motorsports trucks. Uh, Chad Finley is attempting his truck race in about three years, and he's usually an ARCA driver. Uh, I want to say one of the reasons he's attempting is because of the uh, spec motor, A, cutting down costs, B, it's so similar to the ARCA motor. And from what I understand, NASCAR is letting some teams use the ARCA spec motor, which is slightly less horsepower than the truck spec motor so it's one of those where they already have it for the arca series so i think they just uh, may have uh, put it in their truck uh you also have anthony wasn't, alfredo what,
1: what, wasn't the the truck series don't they have like a common engine this year or uh new
4: it's, they got a spec engine it, it right fun, right so uh, that's not
5: it... all are using it uh Brett okay, Moffitt's so, team, so example, it's a spec it, engine,
1: but it's not mandated.
5: It's not mandated as
1: yeah. of yet. Uh, okay,
5: Brett Moffitt's team is still using an OEM engine, uh, and two of the three Kyle Busch trucks are using an OEM engine.
4: Yeah, and it, it's it's a it's a wave of the future. It's it's coming, and of course, they haven't instituted it across the board yet. But it's it's an optional engine. That's it's just that's probably a better term.
5: For yeah. It. And uh, also in the ARCA race, uh, real quick, uh, Anthony Alfredo, who runs full-time in the can Pro E-Series, is making his ARCA debut this weekend.
1: Okay, so we'll see a lot of new faces there at Gateway. Hopefully they have a good crowd there. Uh, I mean, I want to, you know, i got to hand it to the, to the track owners there. They put on a great uh, IndyCar race there last year. I mean, they brought that track back from the dead, essentially. Uh, so I wish them well. Uh, with uh, with their Arca truck weekend and uh, certainly wish them well with their uh, IndyCar weekend later in the season. So, but let's, speaking of edges, let's turn our attention back to Formula One for just a moment where uh, Red Bull has announced that they're going to go with Honda next year. And Richard, you and I had talked about this a while back when the, um, the Toro Rosso team went with Honda that we would probably see Red Bull follow suit and now Renault. Uh, has said that they will make Red Bull regret this decision. So, um, Richard, what are your thoughts on, on the Honda, the Renault, Red Bull? Uh, good move, bad move. Um, I mean, you know, H- Honda needs a marquee team after uh, <laughs> after after losing McLaren. So,
3: <coughs> yeah, it's been a it's been one of the worst secrets in in Formula One for a long time, hasn't it? Really, this move from red bull to uh, to honda i don't think it surprises anybody um the only probably thing it does um you know it, it's it's so late you're expected to see this um you know far earlier in the season but it, it opens up red bull's options this oh, goodness me what do you call it i mean the relationship with red bull the love-hate re- sorry, relationship with Renault, the love-hate relationship been going on now for the last um, you know, three or four years. Ever since the ever since they haven't won, the Renault have been the worst thing in the world. Uh, when they were winning, they were you know oh they're okay. Um, so you you know you've got to look at how Red Bull have handled the situation. I think it's been pretty poor on their end. I think the support they've given to to Renault hasn't been great. Uh, I think. They're going to be in for a shock with Hundred if they expect anything different. And my personal opinion is that uh, the scenario that was at play here was... See, I think Red I think Bull could have played a really smart card here. Everybody knows that Red Bull and Aston Martin are looking at working together to develop an engine. Uh, they've had Mario Iliant working for them. They've had a lot of very, very smart people on the engine side looking at developing uh, a bespoke engine for the Red Bull. Renault know that. And in all fairness, Renault probably don't want Aston Martin in Formula 1. They obviously, you know, more competition, less likely for them to win. So they probably turned around to Red Bull and said, along the lines of, well, if you want to sign a new engine deal with us, it's three-year minimum. And Red Bull said, well, no, we want to look at Aston Martin for 2021. Honda have turned around and said, "Hey, look, we need this big marquee team. We'll give you a two-year engine deal. At the end of the two years, you can make that decision." I still envisage quite strongly that for 2021, the Red Bull car will run an Aston Martin engine, and this Honda deal is just a stopgap. You know, who, hey, who knows? They could end up going back to uh, McLaren, who are on a three and who will finish their three-year contract with Renault. It could, you know, we could be sat here in, in two and a half years' time with. An amazing situation of you know Honda being back at McLaren, Red Bull running, uh, you know the Aston Martin engine, and and Renault running their own engine. Um, or, or
1: you could you can even see Honda going maybe to Williams, who, who potentially, is, yeah, potentially, potentially yeah potentially they've got the Mercedes engine, but they've they've continually underperformed compared to the Mercedes cars. You know, so that I'm sure they're, they're I think
3: they need the money, don't they? Yeah. they Well, need the money. yeah,
1: yeah, but I mean, uh, I mean, you, you got to wonder: are they getting? Are they? Is that is that power plant in the back of the Williams car the same thing that, that Lewis Hamilton it has, has in his now.
3: Yeah, I think under the sporting regulations it has it can't do what they did in the past. Um dare say when I was there we had a few were, uh, you know, interesting engine modes made available to us that certainly weren't made available to uh right. or that were and- available to yeah, and Claire, well, Claire, no, Claire, Claire Williams
1: now. has been one of the most vocal about the uh, uh, you know, the engine parity rules or, or whatnot, or the uh, whatever you call it in Formula One. Uh, yeah. And so you got to wonder: is uh, yeah, sure, the rules say this, but if you look at the performance on the track or the the performance gap,
3: you know, I, I think that if there is any difference between what's the back of the Mercedes and what's in the back of um, the the Williams. No, I don't think anything of what you see there is, um has any direct relationship to their performance. Um, I think it's, uh, I, I think Williams' uh, issues go far, far deeper than that engine.
1: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, so next topic. Yeah, so, there you go. <laughs> next topic, so uh, uh, Chris, you've been quiet for a little bit. So, the Indy cars are headed to Road America this weekend. Uh, one of the most fantastic race courses in North America. One of my favorite places to go. Um, one of the, the, it's the best place in the world to get a bratwurst. Um, if you're interested in that, but, uh, so Chris, we've got, uh, Dixon leading the points now, um, after, uh, you know, two wins in the last three races, uh, Dixon's doing better, uh, in IndyCar than he did on American Ninja Warriors last night, um, but uh, so, Chris, what are you what are you looking for for Road America weekend? Yeah, you feel like uh, it's going to be a Honda track, a Chevy track, a Penske Pensky track, Andretti track, or somebody like a Ray Hall going to jump in there and surprise us? Or you going to see maybe like a Schmidt Peterson uh, come to life?
2: I uh, I really don't know. Um, we know that Chevys have ha- had the advantage in Indianapolis, which is a true power track. Um, and at Detroit, which is more of a torque track, Honda had the advantage. Um, so I think it's going to be probably a little bit more towards the Chevy side. But I will say this um, I'm looking for Honda to come up with something to kind of even, even the gap between them and Chevrolet, uh, especially with Ryan Hunter Ray. Because Hunter Ray, if I looked at the stats last night, has top five finishes in every race this year except for two races. And he's quietly sitting fourth in points right now. And I think a lot of people should take notice of that. And he finished, I think, in the top five a couple of years ago at Road America. So, you know, he might be someone we want to look out for. Um, Scott Dixon won here last year. Will Power won here two years ago. Both are going to be looking to get another win here at Road America. And Bourdais won here back in Champ Car. So it's going to be an interesting weekend. i look forward to being at the track, uh... You know, early on Friday morning. It's gonna be a nice uh, it's gonna be a nice weekend, I think. And not only that we also have the Road to Indy there too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all the all the road to Indy Indy guys will be there. So and we've got uh a guy making his debut and I his name just jumped out of my head in the Uncos car.
2: Alfonso Sleese Junior.
1: That's right, Alfonso Sleese will be in the Yukos car uh, Come up with a little funding uh, Added uh, one more race to the Yukos, And he's a former Formula 1 test driver He's run some Indy Lights So um, uh, what, are your, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this young man? I know Yukos is still just getting their feet wet in IndyCar They're still learning the courses, learning the stuff But uh, the fact that it gets them another start um, on the season Is not a bad thing um, how, how do you feel like this young man is going to do?
2: Uh, I honestly think that his first goal is going to be to finish, and if he does, I don't think we should have that high of expectations considering it's going to be um, only a second time at this particular track. He tested there last week for Ricardo's team um, at the track, but then again, when you don't have a lot of other cars there, uh, especially Chevrolet cars there, it's kind of hard to get a lot of data off. Um, I'm expecting – well, Hoping for a top fifteen finish, um, I think that will be best case scenario for the team, um, considering that this is their first season in IndyCar competition. So, a top fifteen I think will be a good day, especially given what the Yenko team has gone through in the in the last week or so off track.
1: Yeah, a top fifteen would actually be be a great day for those guys. So, so we wish them well. Uh, we wish him well. <laughs> I Me, mean, as I look at this thing, yeah, I've got to look at the performance of. Uh, Chevrolet at Indianapolis and then also at Alabama uh, and say, yeah, maybe Road America leans towards the Chevrolet. You got to look at a guy like Will Power. You got to look at a guy like Simon Pagano you know, but uh, you got some strong Honda runners. You got to look at a guy like Rossi, who's um, really is, is focused on this championship. And, and again, like you mentioned, his teammate Hunter Ray, who's, uh, you know, one of the most experienced guys on the grid right now. Um, who's really had a renaissance season after kind of being, you know, kind of mediocre since about 2014, uh, you know, as uh, Andretti struggled, uh, with the early, uh, arrow kits, um, era. Now that we've evened that up a bit, I think, um, Hunter Ray is is trying to mark his territory a little bit and say, "Hey, you know what? I'm I'm the team he, leader here, <laughs> Mr. Rossi, uh, so you and I will duke that out till the end." So um, it's uh, and Chris, you've uh, you've got a story about uh, Mossport that you'd like to bring up here yeah. quick, yeah? So uh, yeah, I, I read your note there. I I hadn't heard about this, so uh, fill us in.
2: They had a. Uh Formula 5000 vintage meeting uh, going on at most sport & Motorsport Park, and uh, they had a driver from Peoria, Illinois, named Jeff Green, who actually uh, passed away after an incident, heading uh, through, through Turn 8 at Motorsport, coming down the back straight. Now, the reason why this is so significant why I think it should be brought up on the show is uh, Jeff Green... Um, from Peoria, Illinois, not the Jeff Green that ran in the Xfinity Series way back when, or back then it was known as Bush Series. Right, this uh, is, this is Jeff, Ricardo
1: Jeff J. Green he goes by, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I did
1: read he died. I didn't re- realize he died racing.
2: Yes, uh, from a Formula 5000 incident. He uh, was driving at Motorsport, and uh, the reason why it's significant that I think it could be put up here, um, Jeff Green bought Yugos's uh Pro Mazda equipment last year before the season started and tested with the team at um, Homestead in the preseason testing and decided that he liked the car a lot and wanted to actually run the entire season instead of just doing the first couple of races. And he said he wanted a teammate to help him out get quicker, and that teammate happened to be Victor Franzoni, who won the ProMaza t- championship last year. So without Jeff Green, Victor Franzoni never would have done and never would have won the championship. So really we have Jeff Green to thank for helping out a young driver, help pursue his dream in the Indy, and Green did a lot to help out Victor, and uh, it, the entire road to Indy staff are going to be uh, thinking about Jeff Green this weekend. I think it also is worth noting that at Road America last year, Green actually finished fifth in one of the races at, Pro, Pro races at Road America and finished fifth at Gateway, and he was 60 years old, which is amazing for him to drive at that age. That's
1: a, yeah, sad report, but uh, yeah, we'll, we're thinking about uh, his friends and his family, um, and it's never happy when we uh, lose somebody, um, but at least he's doing what he loves, so. But uh, let's move on. We've got a, a few minutes, about ten minutes left in the show to uh, kind of preview. Speaking of road racing and Road America and, and all these great road races, well, NASCAR is going to be at Sonoma this weekend. Um, so, Gray, uh, let's talk about Sonoma. I mean, you've uh, you've been out there with your team in the past. Uh, it's been a mainstay uh, on the NASCAR schedule since some time in the '90s. So, uh, let's let's we've got. It's kind of weird. We only have, I believe, six winners this year in NASCAR. Usually, we have uh, a lot more by this point. But uh, you think we will see a, um, a new winner for this year uh, after at Sonoma because it's certainly a wild card.
4: I think we'll probably get a couple of more winners. You know, uh, uh, before the season's out, I don't know if we'll have any new winners or not. But uh, uh, new, new, new
1: winners be- on the season.
4: Yeah, new winners on the season. I don't think we'll I think we'll get a couple couple before the chase starts. We'll have a have a couple of to join what the the current winners we got. But uh I don't think it's gonna happen at Sonoma this weekend. I think going out there you gotta look at uh Harvick, he's defending champion out there, you know how well he's running. Uh we got his teammate Clint Boyer who's won out there before. Uh Kyle Bush who's won there before, uh running well. Truex has won there before. He's running well. So, I mean, uh, I think probably uh, uh, your winner is going to come from uh, one of those four.
1: All right. Seth, do you agree or disagree with Gray?
5: I somewhat agree, but somewhat don't agree.
1: Okay. Th- uh, thank you for your noncommittal <laughs> answer. <laughs> looking
5: like a
2: I, politician.
5: Essentially, I think there will be. Uh, a lot of the races will be from one of those four. I just don't think one of those four is going to win at Sonoma.
1: And so then who do you think is going to win at Sonoma?
5: Well, honestly, I'm looking at Daniel Suarez. Uh, I'm looking at uh, AJ Allmendinger, Michael McDowell, some of the drivers who are excellent road course racers who aren't in I, other than Suarez, aren't in the best equipment, but this is their best shot to do a hail mary other than Watkins Glen and Daytona, frankly, and make the playoffs. Okay, now Richard,
1: do you have some opinions on where we're going to see a Sonoma this week?
3: Uh, you you look at uh, you know some of those names mentioned uh, mentioned there briefly. You know the. Um, you know, the likes of, uh, you know, AJ and, and Clint Boyer and guys like that. But I think one thing that, uh, you know, has helped a lot of the guys, and even Harvick did it last year, is the guys that run the uh, K&N race. And I just, you know, I fancy someone like Alex Bowman to to sort of step up this weekend maybe. And, uh, you know, he's been running reasonably well the last few races. And, uh, you know, the uh, Hendrick and some of the Chevy cars are slowly turning the corner. And uh, it won't surprise me if he maybe not win, but certainly a top five. I just think at this point in the season, right where, where we're at,
4: I I just think the status quo is going to hold serve. I mean, it, they those guys are just a, all those teams right now at the top of their game. They come in with a lot of momentum, yes. and uh, I just I I just don't see anybody. You know, like I, and and Seth made a good point. A hail good place for a hail mary out there, but. But I think right now if, uh, when we go out there, I think you'll see some of those guys probably uh, do pretty well in qualifying, but I just think the the, the overall strength of those teams that they have will, will come to the forefront uh, during the race.
5: Although, to be fair, uh, this is where Stuart Haas Racing last year started to turn the corner uh, after switching to Ford. This was the first race they had won as a Ford team, with Kevin Harvick. Yep, that's right.
1: Yeah, and, and speaking of Stuart Haas, I, mean, I really got to look like a guy, look at a guy like Clint Boyer, who who for you know from 2013 to 2017 went winless. You know, he had a couple of lean seasons. He he, he did did a season. Did a season with an uh, a underfunded team waiting for uh, to Tony Stewart to retire and step away until he was finally able to uh, get back again on a, a Top Cup ride. And we've seen him win twice already this year. We, I mean, we know he won, runs well at Sonoma. He's won there in the past. Uh, I think this guy is, is like kind of primed and ready to remake his name in NASCAR and uh, not sit sit idly by while while Harvick and uh, Kyle rack up all the wins so I've got, I've got my money on um, Clint Boyer for this weekend now Chris, do you got a dog in this race or
2: uh, I think Kyle is going to win this one um, I think given <clears throat> how his season's gone so far, I think it's going to be tough to beat um, I think he's going to pull this one off, frankly
1: okay. alright, so do you want to make that your official pick?
2: Yes, I do. All right, I'll
1: make Clinton Boyer my official pick, and we'll go back around to you other three cats for your one and official pick.
2: I'm going to say
4: Harvick's going to repeat.
1: All right, Seth?
5: Uh, I'm going to go, like I said, and say someone does a Hail Mary. I'll do Adrian Allmanfinger. All right,
1: and Richard?
3: Eric Amarola.
1: Eric Amarola. There you go. All right, so uh, we're... Getting towards the end of the show, so let's, guys, let's do our IndyCar picks for Road America. And Chris, I'll start with you. Who do you like? Who do you like for Road America to make for your your one and official pick?
2: Um, I'll say Rossi on this.
1: Rossi on this, okay. And Richard, New Garden, New Garden, okay. And Gray, Will, Will Power, excellent pick, Seth. Hunter Ray, right. Hunter Ray, and I will say Robert Wickens picks up his first win.
3: You know, I thought about
1: that. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, you know,
3: didn't say it, there, did you? Didn't no, say I it. didn't
1: say it, but I, I was thinking.
4: <laughs> I, was think, I was thinking, you know, but but I mean, because he's he's on these. Uh, he he's had some good runs this year,
1: and this he this this, this this track will be right in his wheelhouse too, with uh with the circus he's been racing in over in Europe. So, uh, but we'll see. I mean, it depends on unless the Chevys are just so dominant, uh, you know. So, and the one guy we we didn't pick. Uh, who desperately
4: Jackson.
1: desperately needs a win? No, the guy that desperately needs a win that we didn't pick was Simon Pagano and yeah. um, but I, I put him on my fantasy team. So uh, good luck to you too, Simon. So and now Richard Formula One is in France this weekend. Is that correct?
3: It is. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so so we're France.
1: back back to the, uh, the 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 British the, the European schedule. Away from yep. the flyaway races, so uh, let's uh, we got about three minutes. Let's preview the French Grand Prix real quick, and then let's make some picks, Richard.
3: Well, it's going to be an unknown. Um, first return to France in I believe about ten years, and first return to to Paul Ricard since the uh, the early nineties. So it's going to be an interesting uh, you know race. I mean, the preparation of these guys is so 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 complete these days that um you know there's going to be very very minimal learning curve for the top guys to to get used to the track but it you look at the track there's two or three really long long straights and uh almost very very similar to canada in a way um you would imagine that if mercedes have brought, bought their upgraded engine uh, i'm not quite on the status of that they may be then they'll be competitive but if not hey Ferraris are, uh, you know, could be the team to beat again, but uh, no, it's going to be good. The one interesting thing about um, Paul Ricard, which may be a little bit confusing to some of the fans watching, is uh, it used to be af- after it uh, hosted its last race in 1990, it was ter- it was bought out by Bernie Eggleston and turned into uh, what they called the high sp- high speed test track, a high performance test track. Um, and there's more configurations to that place now. Hot dinners and uh certainly on the back of the track where there's a there's a little chicane in the back, on the back stretch there's a dozen different configurations to that chicane and, and looking at it even lewis hamilton was seeing in the preview video it's a bit confusing as to which apex you need to turn in on so hopefully i don't know if they've done anything for the for the race and the tv and maybe painted over the other parts of the track but um it's quite a Quite a thing to see how it's all laid out and, uh, you know, some of the markings there. It could be a little bit confusing on TV. Hope not, but could be.
1: And who would you like to pick to win that race? Bottas. Bottas. Seth, who do you like? Vettel. Gray? I'm going to have to say uh, Vettel. And Chris?
2: I'll take break in.
1: All right, so that leaves me, Daniel Ricardo. I'll go with that. So, And with that being said, we are right at the end of our time. So uh, I want to thank you folks for tuning in and listening. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Spreaker, and Vimeo for hosting us. I want to thank you, Greg, Chris, Richard, Uden, all you folks that listen in. Till next week, we'll talk to you then. Good night.
2: W H O O B A Z O O that's awesome.com. And your website, enter website, enter website, enter website.